This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Whether you're a military veteran or still serving is when you are with your children and your spouse, you don't get a lot of quantity time, but treat that as quality time. I'm talking to the dads that like, you know, you go home and you're still taking the phone calls, whether you're out or not, or you're playing the video games or taking too much time reading and self-developing and educating. And your children are just playing outside, asking you to come jump on the trampoline. It's just, you know, put the stuff down and take the time while you can. Dory one, this is fire team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad. This is episode number 111, and this is your official start to the week. This is the information that you need to go home and be a better dad, to move from that dad that you are today to the dad that you desire be tomorrow. And I've recently been talking about what does it mean to come home? It's been the mission of the podcast, but I haven't been doing a good job of explaining what is actually coming home mean. And this episode, after getting it ready, really reminded me that coming home is recognizing that I'm not there. I think a lot of military dads go through this, especially if we're on active duty, because we can easily get hung up on all the reasons why we need to serve, serve our units, serve everything that is being in the military, and we forget that our family also requires our service. And coming home is having that recognition that I am somewhere else than I should be, and I need to make sure that I prioritize coming home to my family, because your family needs you just like your military family needs you. So that is my bit of wisdom with coming home today, and So getting started with this week's episode, this week's episode is so good. We had such a great conversation, and today's guest is Brent Bowers. He's an investor coach with a focus on buying and selling vacant land. We often hear people talking about buying real estate. We don't often hear about people buying vacant land. Today, we are going to fix that. As an Army officer with over eight years of service, Brent was spending a great deal of time away from his family, and he knew he needed to make some changes in order to be more present with his wife and children. Brent began investing in real estate as a way to support his family while having more time to spend with them. In a short period of time, Brent was able to expand his business, hire a team, and most importantly, spend quality time with his family while still working hard and helping others. Brent now helps others investors learn the ins and outs of buying land, and this episode is so rich in value, wisdom, understanding, and also sharing personal struggle. Brent opens up a lot about what his story and what he struggles with, and we have a lot of just good classic moments on this podcast episode. So without further ado, let's get started with Brent Bowers. And as always, if you want to hear my big, big takeaway of this episode, stay tuned for the other side, and I'll be back on the microphone. Welcome to the podcast, Brent. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Love to be on the... I'm very excited to be on the Military Veteran Dad. 
you are a new fan of the podcast because you were invited to come on and you was like, I got to check out this podcast. And you recently just listened to the Vacation Fatherhood Friday that we did. Tell us why that episode was so impactful you right away before we get started here. Well, I don't believe in chances. So thank God um, I was invited to be on your podcast because I was like, oh my, like I need to check this guy out before I get on here and I don't want to look like a dummy. So I checked it out and I was like, this looks like a really cool one. You were talking about how to schedule your vacations in January. And I'm one of those guys that's like, we just kind of haphazardly like, let's go somewhere. And it's usually like in a few weeks. But now I actually text my wife listening to your podcast. I was like, hey, let's schedule our Mexico trip for May. Let's do it right now because, you know, yada, yada. There's a lot of stuff to get done. But it's like we probably would have just kept you know, pushing that, kicking that buck down the road, kicking that can down the road and never have been to Mexico. And by the way, we've already got tickets and all that's well, we've already got the resort paid for. We just got to go. <laughs> so and you did so all that as since you started listening to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I take action, man. Take nice. action. <laughs> so I got to ask on the inside, what has done that done for your wife's energy when you come home with that? Just because knowing that there's something in the future often sometimes can create a lot of certainty and in an uncertain time where everything kind of seems you're just going with the flow of life. What's it like for her to have something to look forward to? Well, she loves it. She loves the fact that um, she's going to get to stay in a five-star resort in, in Mexico, or, you know, we're always doing, we actually just came off of a three week trip. Uh, we went down to our lake house in Florida, which that wasn't quite a vacation. It was more of a family vacation. We had a lot of family at our house. So it was a lot of cooking and cleaning for me and my wife. So we were a little tired from that, but, you know, I'd say the certainty of it just, it does give her something to look forward to because, you know, she stays at home with the three kids, you know, she gets, puked on, pooped on, peed on, all these little things. And just knowing that she's going to be, be able to uh, stay in a five-star resort for five nights and get to wear nice, clean adult mom clothes is probably the biggest thing for her and do her nails and her hair and they won't get messed up. So the certainty and the, the looking forward to that is probably more than I can imagine. Actually, no, and I'm also just like re- showing the gratitude and appreciation that I'm investing in this area of my life, even while I'm here investing in the other area of my life, which is your business. Yeah, so true. And that's the amazing part about owning a business is a lot of business owners, they're the, the one man show. And I, I was going to talk about this today. It's like, you know, setting up a team, the team keeps operating while you're on vacation. That's why I have a business is to be able to do things like to spend time with my children, spend time with my wife. You know, that's, that's the, that's the reason why we have businesses. So let's rewind a little bit. Cause we did get down a rabbit hole of some good conversation. Who is Brent Bowers? So yeah, my name is Brent Bowers. I was in the military for about eight and a half years. I needed to get out. I was in pretty much only home about four years out of my entire career. I was always training, always deployed, always in the field, always away, always away, always away. And, you know, I wanted something different. So I was searching and I came into land investing and fast forward, here we are. I'm now the military and it was the best decision I ever could have made. Not that I think, you know, staying in would have been awesome too. But I'm just, I was a very scary transition because the military was so good to me. And I was like, maybe the grass is just greener on the other side of the fence. But I took the plunge, got out and gosh, haven't looked back in two and a half years. Can you pinpoint a moment where you had a conversation that allowed you to see this life that you're currently living? So I can't pinpoint it, but I know when I made the decision that I was absolutely getting out. It wasn't 
when my first wife left on my second deployment. That wasn't when I thought I was going to get out. It was when I, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I met the woman of my dreams. My now wife had a baby, you know, we had a brand new baby and I was like, this is it. I'm going to be home for this, this little boy. And that's the pinpoint of when I decided to get out, you know, when I, you know, I'm not sure I answered that question very good. It, it kind of blew my mind, actually. Let's dive into it a little bit because there's that's probably your reaction almost tells me that there's something deeper within this to go towards. When while serving, so you had your newborn, you started probably questioning like how you were living your life, your priorities in life, what you were having to do with the military service. Is this really what I want my family to be like for the next 20 years as I finish out my enlistment? What made you start seeking different opportunities than the standard W-2 job, get a job, get an interview, go through that process and land in corporate America. You had to first push aside that that wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I always wanted to be a real estate investor because I just pictured these guys as rock stars. They're doing whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. Was it the car? You know, I don't know. You see these flashy guys and I would never be like that. You know, I have a coaching course and I'm never going to take a picture in front of my yacht that I don't own a yacht, by the way. I would say I always wanted to be a real estate investor, but I was sitting in Fort Lee, Virginia, sweating my butt off. I just did another 12 and a half hour day of training. And I was like, something's got to give. I got to figure out how, like what I'm going to do. So I started searching, started searching podcasts. Um, so it was about 2015 timeframe, 2014, when that's, that's the point when I, I started searching and I started listening to like all these real estate podcasts. I already knew I, I wanted to do something in real estate. I just didn't know how or what, or who was going to help me. Or I just, you know, I, got, I had to find the answer and it was on a podcast, by the way. So I got to ask another question going a little bit deeper. Are you a man that normally sought off new information or is that kind of a new pattern of thinking for you? Were you a man that adopted just kind of what was in front of him or were you always kind of like uh, willing to listen to other views in the way that you did in that podcast? Always searching for information, always gathering other views. You know, I'm a big proponent on, you know, standing on the, standing on the shoulder of giants, you know, modeling as Tony Robbins would say, you know, finding someone that's already been there and listening to their story and, and kind of listening to other people, multiple people's stories and coming to the conclusion for myself. You know, Jim Rohn says, you know, don't just read one book and go off that, read five books and then make a decision. So to answer your question, oh, I was always, I'm always searching for answers. I know that I am never, ever going to be the smartest person in the room or the smartest person on this podcast interview. I always know that I'm going to learn from somebody else. So I'm going to go one more deeper. Who did you learn that from? Because that's not the standard mindset of most men. Most men just assume the programming they're issued. In the military, you're issued programming. You're issued everything else. So we just assume what we know is what we need to know. Who taught you to really to think like that? You know, this show's about legacy. You know, your children are your legacy. I have my dad to thank for that. You know, he took me to work a lot. That was like my dream come true is just going to work with dad, climbing those towers that he climbed. My dad did a really macho man job and I wanted to be around that. And he had a boss, the owner of the company, very wealthy man that I once heard say, or my dad repeated what his boss had said was, you know, surround your people, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And learn how to 
go in business with them, work with them and or employ them. So I really took that to heart. When did you hear that advice? What age? 12 years old, 10 years old, maybe. Right at the time where you're starting to just kind of like build up who who you are or what you want to do. Yeah. And I'm still fascinated by this man. You know, he ran a company. I mean, it was a very, very small business. He had probably 20 employees at his max. And this guy was a pure owner. Like he wasn't out there welding the towers. He wasn't painting the towers, putting up the towers. He was the man just checking in from time to time. Everyone else, his team was doing the work. His employees were doing the work. And I was just fascinated by that. This guy did anything he ever wanted to do. He was always working on his own project. And it was just a total genius. His name is George Sweat. He's listening to this show, but that, he didn't realize that he was my first mentor in life. What brought you to the, to the military then? This is, we're going to talk about struggles. Um, I had just gotten my real estate license in 2007. And I told you, I always wanted to be a real estate investor. So guess what I did? I, I bought my first house. And this was back in 2007. April 2007 was a date. And you pretty much could get a loan um, if you have okay credit and a job or a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, so as we now know. the bank loaned me the money. Uh, to buy this house. And I had borrowed my earnest money deposit, $1,000 from great grandma. Um, and I told her, listen, grandma, I'll pay you back because I'm going to get a real estate commission for buying this house. I got like 3,900 bucks real estate commission. So I pay grandma back as soon as I close. And the bank gave me a line of credit because the house needed a little bit of work. Um, so now I'm about $137,000 in the debt. And I just got my real estate license and I pretty much got rid of my lawn service. Uh, and moved to the coast and tried to start selling real estate. Well, 2008 is happening, 2009, and stuff's just hitting the fan. And I'm seeing like brokers that have been in business for 14 years, can't even pay their bills. And I'm just like, who the heck am I? Like, I just had that weak thoughts and just like, I just surrendered. I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to make it in this. So I just started doing random jobs, anything that I could find employment. I was paying credit card bills with credit card bills. And I was like, I got to go back to school. I was roughly 23 years old. So I went to the air force, tried to get into the air force and they weren't willing to take me. So luckily the work the Air Force recruiter was so kind to say, hey, go next door to the Army. They'll take anybody. So guess what I did? I took action and went next door to the to the Army. And here we are. Like I'm, I'm in basic training in 2009, deployed by 2010. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a really cool story. And I, I can't help but a question that I've been really finding a lot of good results from asking. What do you think that that... I wouldn't call it a failure, but what do you think that experience of trying and failing or not succeeding and doing this way, what lesson did you learn from that that allowed you to do it better the next time? Yeah, one is because I felt like I was a quitter. You know, my friends that's, well, my friends now, I didn't know them at the time that actually, you know, held the path and kept investing in real estate. I didn't get a real estate license because I wanted to buy and sell houses for other people. I wanted to be the man buying and selling the houses. Um, I just thought that that was the best path. I'd be on the, you know, the cutting edge or, or have my nose right to the rails of what's going on. But I felt like a total quitter, you know, and I'm glad now I no longer feel that way. I've accepted it and everything worked out and thank God it did the way it worked out. But, um, you know, it just, it just showed me that, Hey, I could have made it through that, but I chose another path and I became darn successful in the military. And I just, you know, it was so amazing. I, I hit a brick wall for almost two years in real estate and get in the military 
and you're told what to do and you do it and you just do it better than all the other guys around you and you excel extremely quick. I was promoted in basic training. It was a great, great experience. I mean, it couldn't have worked out better. You know, you, gr- you grow where you're planted. <laughs> Did your father play a role in helping you go through the real estate shutdown in the first time and join the military? Were there any acts of wisdom that he gave you to help get you through on the right path? My dad really had only has only purchased two houses in his lifetime. The one he lives in now and the one they sold to move to the one he lives in now. Nothing about real estate or military, but it was actually my first wife's grandfather. You know, I remember why I chose to get in the military because he knew I was struggling. And he's like, you know what? I have friends that have retired in the military and, you know, they're doctors and attorneys and this and that. And they still have a pension, did 20 years you know, that's a great life, you know, and I really respected this man. Like he taught me how to ride a motorcycle. So he said it and I was like, it was literally like he planted the seed that day that he's now passed away now. Gosh, I wish he was still around, but he he's the one that planted that seed. Like, and I took off with it and he was, a, he was in the sales and he's the one that introduced me to Jim Rohn. So, and that, that was a whole nother, that's a whole nother chapter, Jim Rohn, what he, you know, introduced me to. Yeah. And the interesting part there, you mentioned seeds, the part connecting it to legacy. Legacy is planting seeds in a garden you actually never get to see grow. So true, man. And that's what your your dad did with that piece of wisdom in the beginning and what your grandfather did that moment for you. And this is the part that military dads don't really honor well enough because we have such a rich life to gift and help shepherd our kids into their unknown life at this point because they haven't really stepped into adulthood. And we just don't honor that ability for what we've been given as from either life advice or experience or how we've seen the world or what we've learned from that experience. Is there anything from your up to how old are your kids? So I have a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Yeah. So you're in the Instapot of life phase of uh, everything's under pressure. Oh my goodness. Just this morning was a pressure pot. Was I get funny. I get looks. My kids are eight, <laughs> six, and four. They're like, "Oh man, you're you're at that stage." But I, <laughs> I have a lot of empathy for you at that stage. I can only imagine, and even for your wife for being able to keep all that together. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for her, man, we'd be a big mess. Um, my wife, you know, she's she cooks two dinners a night, like one for the kids and one for her and I, cause you know, we try and eat healthy. We, we don't like chicken nuggets every night, you know, like the kids do. Um, but yeah, she's the glue that holds us all together. Like I was a logistician in the military and my wife is the true logistician. <laughs> she's the one that plans, packs, transportation, pays all the bills. So God bless her. There was something that I wanted to ask you with the context of what you've gone through so far out of all the things you've had to learn so far, what lesson was really the hardest one that like life kept trying to like beat this into you that you really struggled to realize that this was the way that I was supposed to go? I would say that, you know, we just got to give ourselves credit and a lot of military guys, you know, that, that go into entrepreneurship, we get out of the military and we still work that military life. You know, we, we're, we're up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. We're, we're doing physical training at 6. And then we think that, uh, you know, and you had kind of made me think about this, Ben, before we got on the, on the phone. But uh, I've been getting this lesson brought back to me, brought back to me, brought back to me is, you know, we don't have to still, you know, once we get out and we're now business people or 
working for somebody else. It doesn't matter what we're doing. We don't have to continue as if we were still in the military. Military is very regimen strict. And it's like, it's all business. You know, people, people die, you know, on, on our missions and our, and our deployments and our, our, these things. It's almost like you could take a step back and, and, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break and your family, you know, your family waited, waited so long, or they wait so long for you to get off these deployments or your long duty days or, or whatever it might be is you don't have to keep operating like that. And that's what I'm trying to say is you do not have to continue operating as if you are on a military um, mission or timeline uh, because, you know, no one's going to yell at you. No one's going to shoot you. You know, if, if you don't pack enough water for a three day mission, you're not going to you're not going to get dehydrated and gas die. stations do exist. Gas stations exist. Gas like, you know, just at the end of the day, all I'm trying to say is chill out a little bit. Just be there for your family. You don't have to work a 12 hour day every single day, five days a week, because that's what you did in the military. I got off deployments and I didn't realize that at the time, but I continuously acted like as if I was still on a darn deployment. You know, and I'm kind of learning that now I took took yesterday off with my wife. You know, we we kind of we hung out, had lunch together um, and she was just so surprised that I would do that because that's just not how I've always been. Um, she's like, oh, my God, you must be overwhelmed with all the work you're going to have to do. And I really wasn't. It's taken a while to get there. So you just got to kind of chill out. That's it. Chill out. <laughs> the part that I loved what you're talking about there is just recognizing that I could have a moment where I'm not working. And there's a moment that has been a real struggle for me. So I'm almost coming up to the year mark. January 27th is the day that my corporation that I worked for reorged and I lost my job. And the hardest part for me on the other side of all that is recognizing there was no place I needed to go. That it was like for the last 20 years of my life since I joined the Marine Corps, I had somewhere to be that was outside of my own choice and recognizing and reprogramming all that. And even as the kids have been home on virtual over Christmas here, and I'm trying to do work and different things, like I get so internally angry. I'm like, I just want 10 minutes to type this damn email. Like I just, and, and my daughter's here just asked me to play Barbies. And I've had to consciously like pause in this moment and be like, okay, this email is uh, not the end of the world. Yes, that feeling exists. But it's really my attachment to what was that I used to be able to sit at work because I didn't have anybody, I didn't have any kids walking in the office to tell me what to do or that I needed something from me. And I could type an email in 10 minutes. But if I were to time travel back to that 10 minutes when I was at work, I wasn't necessarily happy. But yet necessarily the feeling was still there. And it's I have to consciously do it more often than not in these last few weeks because sometimes it's something so simple that they want. And I just have to turn off the military mindset of work and sitting down and processing email and go be dad. Like it was actually easier in the summer right now in Wisconsin, it's winter and snow on the ground outside. So we're stuck on the inside more, but I had some of my best business ideas going on a bike ride with my kids and it wasn't sitting down at my desk. And that's the part that you actually don't realize as a dad, that when you reconnect with your family, like create the magical moments, like you with your wife yesterday, maybe you dream about the next vacation. Maybe you guys have a moment to realign where you really want to move someday in the future so many moments can happen that can really change your life and they aren't at your desk. So true. Yeah. I've been guilty so many times of not playing with just, 
just close the darn laptop and play with the Barbies. Like there, it's something so simple. And what is your job as dad? It's play with the freaking Barbies. Like that is your only job. You are there to play with them, protect them, feed them, but they don't care how nice your car is, how many houses you bought or how many podcasts you've done this or week. how many emails are in your inbox. Oh yeah. That's, that's exactly like, and at the end of the day, that email is going to be there, but fast forward five years from now, is she really going to want to play Barbies with you? Um, you know, that's, that's, you're on a time clock with that. And I'm preaching to myself right here. I have struggled with this so much. Like I get up at 4am to try and get those, some of those emails out of my inbox. Cause they're like giving me all this anxiety. And I don't know why the heck I don't just click on one at the top, hold the shift button, click at the bottom and then delete it. Um, I did that. I do that about once a quarter. I just like, you know what? These emails haven't come back into my life. No one's checked into me. I'm control Aing, and I'm <laughs> archiving them all and starting at zero. I had to do that in the military as an executive officer. Um, I could say that now without getting in trouble, but man, I would show up after being in meetings all day long and have 47 emails that I was CC'd in. I was like, if it doesn't say Brent directly, I'm getting rid of this thing. And then sometimes it's like, hey, it's Friday, five o'clock shift delete. But those emails are going to be there. And what I was getting at is it'd be 4 a.m. And one of my kids will get up early and I've caught myself getting so pissed, man. It's like, how dare you interrupt my time? I have Why? How dare you get up early? I got up early to get this done. And they just want to sit there with you because like, you know, daddy's up. No one else is around. It's just me and you time. So he had his objection like he had his goal and i had mine and it didn't match his but you know to him he's like i won the lottery i got my dad one-on-one time and i've i originally struggled with that in the beginning but i've I, i'm now aware of it because the moments that i'm able to create like something that um i'm a big huge macgyver fan my brain works like macgyver i think like macgyver i've just loved the show from the 80s i had all the dvds on it when i was in okinawa i would binge watch them and so now I mean, that's something me and my son sit down to watch in the morning. So that is our thing to watch. And the girls hate it when they come down and we're watching MacGyver because they have to finish it with us. But that like even a couple of days this week, I think even he came down and I was sitting there reading and I was like, damn it, my reading time is over. And he's like, hey, dad, we haven't watched MacGyver in a long time. Can we watch it? And I'm like, yeah, we can watch MacGyver. And he's always asking all these questions about is, is MacGyver bad? Is MacGyver good? Is he going to make it? Is he going to save the day? What's he doing, dad? What's that? Just what actually watch is he it. doing? And <laughs> those moments, I mean, I have no idea if t- 20 years from now how I'm going to reflect back, but I know right now I'm going to regret that those moments are gone. And the one kind of big theme that I've rewired most of my life towards after losing my job is the ages of zero 10 are the ones that I know when I'm 50 looking back that I'm going to regret not being there more. I know that many people when they're 50, they look back and they always tell you like, oh, make sure you pay attention because those years go fast. That's just code word that they weren't there and they're not necessarily willing to admit it. But for me, I'm I make it a conscious effort. Even when I created this podcast, I knew from the very beginning, I was not going to create a business that left me alone at the end. And I went slower than I maybe could have because I didn't put a lot of work in. I purposely woke up at 5 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday to go to Starbucks and work from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. while the kids are just home eating cereal and watching TV. I would do all my work and then I would come home and do be dad for the rest of the day. I was always very intentional and I went slower because I was like, there's no way that this transaction is going to be worth any business that I create by trading this memory for it. 
it's actually a really pain in the butt because having a dad podcast and then also choosing to work in the dad podcast when your kids want you to do something or when you're not doing something like it's a big internal dilemma. If I could have picked the worst business to start a dad podcast because every transaction is like, oh, I'm going to help these dads on the internet become better dads. Oh, wait, I got to trade that time for my own kids. Literally. And yes, that's true. I mean, think about it though. If you were always there 24 seven, like, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing. Like I could drink too much water and drown myself. Like they, they did that with rats. Like the rats couldn't take that much water. So you don't want to be like there 24 seven. I mean, you're going to have your thing and, you know, thank God you created this podcast because, you know, just being on here and, you know, you're talking about your reading time and dang it, it's over. And it's like you said, your son just, my son just hit the lottery because dad's up and it's just me and him. And now I'm in a bad mood because he just ruined my time. And he, he came out of his room and got up early to have a good experience. So it just makes me think, and, you know, it kind of, kind of makes me a little sad, like to, to think that I've, I've been like that, you know, so thank God for your <laughs> military veteran dad podcast, because uh, I personally needed to hear it more than anything. And then you talked about another thing, time blocking. That is like, there's a word for that. You time block from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. on a Saturday to just literally like, I bet you, you weren't on Facebook and Instagram. You were probably just pounding out work because you knew I got to be home by eight because the kids want to play Barbies or whatever, you know, we're going to go outside. We're going to watch MacGyver. The part that I would like to add to that is that I, my verse thing that I kind of like started doing in the morning was the miracle morning. And part of that was going outside for walks. And I found that book in the summer and I first started going with the walks and my Oldest daughter was probably four at the time, maybe. I don't even know if I had the uh, son or maybe she was only two or three. But she would actually like wake up out of bed with like a sense of purpose that I wish she had when now that she's in school. And it, it was literally like she won the lottery because we would go on a walk together, just me and her. And that was the world tour. Even fast forward that a little bit further, there was a diner right across from where my daughter's goes or my daughter was going to school. And I was like, Oh great. We could go to breakfast before I drop her off at school. And so I started doing that. We would mean her would just have pancakes and then I would drop her off for at school. And that's morphed. And we just did it this week before this is our last week of virtual before the kids go back. It took all three kids there. So a little bit chaos, but it actually turned out pretty good. And we all had pancakes together. It's kind of just a way to enjoy that moment. And like I said, I have no idea where these moments are going, but I always try to lean into the chaos because that's where some of the magic happens. And the first times were ugly and really bad, and they were not pretty anything I would ever advertise about. But through repetition, I've gotten better. I can hold my emotions in. I can get less triggered. And many more moments just like that where you can create some attention. And it was at my natural routine. We would just leave the house 45 minutes early to have breakfast before dropping her off, and that was it. And it's something that she still looks forward to today. Because they're getting their own personal time. You know, I took a, a course on this. It's like how to be a better parent. And it talked about, you know, daddy, daughter time, daddy, son time. And then same thing, mommy, da daughter time, mommy, son time. It's just giving them 10 minutes a day, twice a day, where it's, you know, me and one of the children, children and me and the, like me and my daughter, me and my other boy. And they look forward to that time and we schedule that time. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. You know, we do it from time to time, but, you know, it talks about if you have one of those difficult children or, you know, they're always kind of pushing your buttons. It's just because they want. There's a deficit in the time bank. 
That's it. They need your, that's their love language. That's the time. And if they're acting out or, you know, throwing the cereal on the floor, you know, doing these things, it's not because they're trying to piss you off. It's like, because you'll put that phone down and help them clean that cereal up or even yell at them. You might be the yeller and I'm guilty of that. It's you're still get you're still showing them attention. And it's like sick. And I was like, oh my God, it just hit me right in the head. I was like, they're just begging for attention. When they get out of bed 17 times because they need a water, a milk, a kiss, a hug. Oh, they forgot their, their bear. They just wanted more time. And I was like, golly, how did I not know that? Like, I feel like, you know, like I said, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I'm not dumb either. But I darn sure didn't know that. And you mentioned about getting out of bed and... I wish I didn't have this mindset because sometimes it's really super annoying. But the kids are always asking, like, Daddy, I need one more thing. Or and I'm, we got a two-story house, so it's upstairs and they're, I'm downstairs. And I'm like, damn it, just go to bed. But I told myself, I don't know, like two years ago, I had this come into my life. So I don't remember where it came from. But they were like, one day, it's going to be the last time they need an extra hug or they want a daddy kiss or they want to tell you something. And yeah. no one's going to tell you that that was the last day. Yeah, that's but then so if true. someone did, you were like, oh, I would have paid attention then. And so like <sighs> right now, I kind of lean into those moments and just be like, you know what? One day I'm going to wish this was the moment, only thing I had to deal with. And when it's boys, I mean, like, man, it was so much easier when you could just tuck them in at night and that was all you had to do. Yeah. Well, one thing that's helped me is to make sure that they get that one-on-one time with you and mommy. And, you know, we trade off, you know, mommy might get them ready and I'll take them to bed and we'll do a story or read a book or whatever. Um, so I feel like if I give them, you know, that 10 minutes in their bed with them, only that, per, like that one child, it helps with them getting up so many times. It really does. And that, that's it. I just wanted that extra time. So let's go in a little bit different direction. You mentioned before we hit record that one of the things that you've learned to do well is ask for help. And that's something that many military dads completely suck at. I'm, I'm not going to hold any punches back. We suck at asking for help because we adopt this mindset that we should be able to figure it out and do it alone. When that's not how the world works, that's not how the male psyche works. We were always men to do life together. So how has helping or asking for help from coaches and having more people in your life really created more abundance and more a life to experience? You know, I'll say one thing is, you know, it, it ex- accelerates time. So I might take a year or two or three years to figure this out, or I could find a coach or someone that's willing to mentor me. Um, you might say, well, coaches and mentors are expensive. We'll figure out a way to add value to that person's life. You know, if you're trying to get into real estate for a flipper, go sweep their, their floors, clean their houses for them when they're done renovation, you know, but if you, if you've got the money and less time, usually I find there's two people, you know, you have a lot of time, no money, or you have a lot of money, no time, or you've got money, no time. So hire a coach whether it be you're trying to start a business, get in better shape, because that coach is going to show you the mistakes, lead you down the path, be your Sherpa and keep you from running into those mistakes and accelerate you. You know, something that they took 20 years to learn, they can teach you now in six months. So if you can compress time frames on anything and everything you do, um, you know, starting a business, getting in shape or take it to another extreme, how not to yell at your kids. Well, this expert, teaches how not to yell at your kids. So these, these little nuggets, um, you, you know, you can get so much in life and get so far and so fast in life and improve your life so much because there's an expert on everything. There is know? an expert on everything. And there's so much there to unpack because 
I believe in coaches. It's essentially what helped me get to where I am today. It does move you past. It does accelerate time. All of those things are super essential. And the one thing that I, I, I got gifted from our episode last September from Brian, Brian Panuzzo was the cost of change is never as cheap as it's going to be today. And it really hit me. And he was a financial, uh, not a financial planner. He was a Wall Street broker in New York City. And he hit him that it was like, the, the, the cost to change whatever problem you have in your life today, with the rate of inflation, it's as cheap as it's going to get. If you related to your marriage, you could pay $3,000 to have someone accelerate a lot of learning and coaching in marriage, or you can pay $15,000 later to get divorced. Which one would you choose? And when you do have to get divorced at $15,000 or even higher, man, you're looking back and like, you know what? It was really cheap when the price was only 3000 bucks. Yeah. So true. I mean, gosh, I just, we talked about this in the beginning, you know, me and my wife, uh, we've went into marriage counseling to improve our relationship, you know, and it's like a lot of people aren't willing to pay that expense, but you know, what's your relationship worth? What's your marriage worth? Or we could take it to the negative side. What the heck does a divorce cost? I guarantee it's more than $15,000, you know, or your children, you know, your children having to go from one house to another, um, sharing Christmas day with mommy and then sharing Christmas day with daddy. Yeah. And splitting What's the up. cost of gas commuting back and forth? Yeah. Or your parent, your children's mental, you know, state. And me and my wife had this exact conversation last night. Like we're the rock, like we are their ch- the children's rock. So if we're not good and loving and caring and nurturing and respecting each other, why would our children love care and respect each other or us at that, you know, in the military, that's such a problem. There's so many divorces in the military. And one of the things I learned in, in Europe when I was in Germany is the Europeans live their life and go on these, these uh, holidays and the kids come with them. The kids live the life that the parents are living, not the other way around. Americans lived for their children. And it's like, we've kind of, we've got to figure these things out. And, you know, that's just going back to counseling. A marriage counselor is just a coach. And a lot of guys are, and even girls are like, oh, I don't need that. You know, that's like, that's just another coach. That's it. They're just, they've been there. They've walked the path. They're a little older than you. They, they got a flashlight that's bigger than yours. There you go. There you go. They can see a little further around that corner. You know, our, our headlights on our car only go about what, 200 feet. Yeah. Unless well, you get that fancy BMW that can actually rotate the lights around the corner. So that way you can see. There you go. And and it's like that car is going to get you, those lights are going to get you just far enough where you can see. And when you go another two feet, it's going to get you a little further. And that's all it is. Their flashlight is a little bit bigger. There was something you hit on there when you, when you went to Europe that I learned from our corporate headquarters being in Prague. And I learned this very quickly when I would meet coworkers that were in their thirties and maybe they had one or two kids, they weren't married yet, but then I would observe how they're living in their twenties. And I quickly realized something and I'm not sure how it's going to be implemented, but I'm definitely going to preach that I would like my kids to try this, that they spend all of their twenties finding the person they love, living life with that person. And then only really in their thirties, do they settle down and have kids? Like they've already lived pretty much a full life from what they consider. And they've built on the foundation of the love with the person that they want to spend the rest of their life with. And then they go forward into our life. We've got it so backwards. We, we race towards everything. Even myself, I was in a big damn hurry to get married when I got out. I felt like I was behind and I was only 24 and just saying that out loud sounds crazy now, 
Like there was so much information that I was like, I was just running towards something that was like, I need to slow down. Like you've mentioned a couple of times, slow down, enjoy. I don't need to keep going, going, going. Like I wish I would have taken a six month break before jumping into corporate life. I could have stayed at my parents' farm for months, years, if I really needed to. And I could have really like looked at the pasture and seen like, what is out there for me really to do? No, I took the TAPS code. I went out there. I got a job. I got, did a whole thing. And then started the programming that got me lost on who I was because I didn't spend any time figuring out that that person. So true. I had I was another story from when I was like ten years old. Um, we used to go camping with a good friend of ours. She's she's no longer with us. She's passed away, but she always used to say, you know, Brent, stop and smell the roses. Like stop going so fast. And I was like, you mean like pick a rose and smell it? I had no clue what the heck she meant up until a few years ago. It's just like you know, take the time, just, you know, stop and enjoy and appreciate where you are in life. Our road, like for me, my roses right now are my, my three young children under five years old, like just stop and hang, hang out and spend the time with them. Um, now I'm not, I don't mean literally smell your children because those little things are stinky sometimes. Um, but you know, just take the time to, to hang out and enjoy, enjoy the roses. Speaking of spelling your children, an odd, funny story. So Mondays is what I call three sheets to the wind, which is the day I wash all the beds and the laundry on the beds in the house. And I was proud of myself because I use fabric softener and I use the little <laughs> bounty beads to make it smell better. And my son was watching one of his Google meets in the comforter from our bed. And later on that day, my wife was holding him a snuggle and he's like, man, Dylan, you smell really nice. Were you playing around with something? And he's like, yeah, I was in the, the comforter. And I was like, huh, I did my job right today. <laughs> he did it so well. He's, he smells very lavenderish. Rubbed yeah, off. On I him. thought some irony in uh, within what you do for land contracting. Don't buy a piece of land to stop and forget to stop and smell the wildflowers growing in that piece of land and its beauty. That's so true. And I no longer go and visit the land because I'm in many virtual locations now. And you know, I had a. I used to get emotionally attached to this land, like. I would be like, I would come home from it because I would drive a couple hours to go see it. And I'd be like, listen, we got to keep this property. It's got a stream going through it. It's got all these aspen trees and these big elk come through here. And I was smelling the roses too much. And my wife's like, we cannot keep them all. You know, we cannot keep all the land. So I kind of stopped taking the time. I used to just go out on adventures and check out land. And at one time it literally got me stuck in the snow until almost midnight. So yeah, I, that's funny you say that. I used that to actually sounds roses. like a really cool trip to explore with your son. Ella would have been awesome. Because like, he gets older to just go on like, hey, let's check out this land and create some adventure. Maybe make a bonfire or go fishing if it's got a stream on it. Like use it as an opportunity to just explore the wilderness with them. And there is something magical that happens when you take your son into the woods and just kind of be with the roughage of being a man as well. And just talking about life and teaching different things like there is a lot of experience and memories. And I bet those memories would eventually become anchor memories that like my, we went uh, bike riding to the gas station here. It was about maybe eight miles round trip in the summer. And my daughter was like, why do you keep doing this kind of stuff? And she's like, well, if I ever pass one day, there's going to be a day when you're like, I wonder what dad would do. You probably will think about the bike ride and you'll have these little anchor memories to remember, like, what would dad do? And you'll go on a bike ride probably to really get connected with my memory. Be like, what would dad really say? What wisdom would he speak into my life? And that little that moments are like legacy after you've gone. Like, how will they reconnect with the wisdom of your life to make sure that they always feel led and well beyond the time you're at life on this earth? 
That's so true. As dads, we got to figure out like, how can we do something a little different today? Let's, let's not just sit around a Saturday morning. Let's not just sit around and eat Cheerios and watch cartoons. Maybe, maybe we can go on a camping trip or something. I mean, my, we, I was talking to you about, you know, the three week vacation we just took at our lake house in Florida. Well, my son caught his second fish now, and it was a largemouth bass. And I mean, we've got our secret spot, our secret fishing spot. He's never going to forget that because he has not forgotten the first fish he caught two years ago, a rainbow trout that he talks about all the time. I guarantee you he remembers what was on his line, where it was at. I can't remember where it was at. Like, I'm not even sure where it was at, but he talks about this fish. This that rainbow is trout. going to be something huge that he uses to connect with that. 100%. So do that with all your children, even your daughter's. Oh, yes. Yeah. Daughters, we could talk about for hours on just how much of our example is the one that they use to find another man in their life later on as well. Oh, man. That's a good point. Very good point. They like you know, you've heard the dad with the shotgun at the door, right? Oh, yeah. I might. So my the dad with the shotgun at the door is afraid because he didn't set the bar high enough. But the dad oh. that set the bar high enough in his own life has nothing to fear because every boy that she's going to bring home is going to be compared to my dad. And she'll always come to the right conclusion on her own because that man doesn't live up to who my dad was and how he treated me and how he showed me love and modeled it. Man, Ben, you've just got to, like, literally, you are like a, a book full of just knowledge and quotes. My and- friends call them colloisms. <laughs> They're awesome. Like a couple different call teams that I lead, most people, like, I can see him writing down and I almost can't keep up with them or they'll put it in the Zoom chat when someone hears something that really resonates with them. It's a common occurrence. It's a... Uh, it's a curse and a blessing because I can do it for others very well, but then sometimes reflecting it inward, I can almost get confused with my own advice because there's so many pieces of it as well. Well, that's why it pays to have your own podcast and to teach others because we can hear something, we can hear it three or four times, but when we teach it, that okay. is when it I'm really often sets the first in. person to benefit sometimes. When I first started blogging in 2016, I would write a piece, a blog post, and I would be the first person that would benefit because I was like, I'd reread it and I'm like, I really needed to hear that. And what I realized through that process was inside my head, there's a thousand pieces of advice. But when I write, the one that I need to hear usually is the one that comes through. You know, and I just kind of had an epiphany. You know, I'm always I'm always studying the Bible and I don't do it as much as I should lately. Um, but sometimes the stuff just goes over my head. So if I were to start like a small group, you know, two or three friends that come over and I give them a Bible lesson, I guarantee you, that I would probably learn the stuff and resonate and it would be in me when I'd have to teach somebody else. Maybe not during the lesson and the study, but when I'm actually teaching it, kind of like, you know, you've given me these things. I'm going to repeat these things to hopefully ingrain it into my my own personal body because like just having my, my land coaching course has improved my land business because I'm teaching these guys. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, we can improve that with our business too. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's students, really good advice. I should implement it. Yeah. I, golly, I said that and we're not doing this. Like, yeah, it's crazy stuff. And then I see what my students are doing and it encourages me. And then they give me advice too. So it, it works both ways. It's amazing. There's a book, Becoming a King by Morgan Schneider, that I think you would really love because I've always had a conflict with conversations with God. I've been, I grew up Catholic. I would consider myself, I believe in him, but I've never really understood how to communicate or really understand what was going on. And that book, I read that when I went on a camping trip with another guy this summer, that book really allowed me to have a conversation with God for the first time in like 20 years. What's Who wrote it? Morgan Schneider. He was on the oh. podcast back in the, the fall as well. So uh, he gave us some brilliant advice that it takes a lot of shit to make good soil. 
and the richer the soil, the richer the fruit that grows from the, the tree of your life. I hope your listeners like have to pull up, like they better be pulling over to write down all these quotes. It takes a lot of shit to make good soil. Which wow. is often the hope in misery. Like what you're going through sucks. But I mean, I've had, we had uh, Bobby, Bobby Dove on the podcast and he said losing his arm and his leg was the best thing that ever happened to him. And Jeez. was because he had to learn the hard lesson of asking for help and loving himself first. And that shit, I mean, he considers like his life a rich life now, but he's w- without an arm and a leg. And he's like, I had to have it, that lesson learned that way in order for me to get where I am today. God bless him. Well, Brent, if people want to get in touch with your real estate course and helping them understand what it is and what potentially the freedom that they can create with a business like yours, where could they go to find you? Yeah, if you just go to www.thelandsharks.com, that's T-H-E-L-A-N-D-S-H-A-R-K-S thelandsharks.com. It's all pre-recorded modules. You can take it, literally do it in the middle of the night. It's all action steps. It's not a lot of BS and fluff. It's here's what you need to do next. And it's all set up on systems. Um, So I'm I'm really taking great pride in that course. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to build that course to where anybody can understand it, no matter where they are in life. Awesome. And as a parting piece of advice, what do you want to leave for every military dad? Something that within your journey as a father, what advice maybe you had to learn the hard way? Maybe it's related to time. Maybe it's something different. What do you want to make sure every dad learns from your trials of what you've gone through so far? You know, I would say just, you know, use the time wisely. Military, whether you're a military veteran or still serving, is when you are with your children and your, your, your spouse, you know, you don't get a lot of quantity time, but treat that as quality time. So I'm, I'm talking to the dads that like, you know, you go home and you're still taking the phone calls, whether you're out or not, or you're playing the video games or, you know, taking too much time reading and self-developing and educating. And your children are just, you know, playing outside, asking you to come jump on the trampoline. It's just, you know, put the stuff down and take the time while you can. So that's my best advice. And I'm preaching to myself right now. There is, there were, it hit me like a couple of times. There's been snow. The kids have been yelling like, Hey dad, come on, make a snowman. Or, and the first time I resisted, I'm like, I'm not coming out. I, I, the weather's crappy. It was still snowing. I eventually came around that advice and I built this uh, snow fort outside with some bricks with my youngest daughter. And the other two were over in the neighbor's yard playing. And she was actually really super into building it and actually surprisingly really defensive about the other kids playing in it. Like anybody else playing in it, she would just come screaming inside like, daddy, this is me and yours for it. This is anybody else's. We Nobody else can play with it. And I was like, I built it for everybody. It's it's in the public part of the, the, the subdivision here. It's not on our lot. And like it was me and hers and I didn't probably honor what she really appreciated most was just me doing that with her. And it was just pushing snow into blocks and she just watched. She didn't really do anything other than we were just there together. It didn't cost anything. How much did that cost? Nothing about an hour and a half of my time. And I actually had fun too. Cause I like playing in the snow as well. <laughs> there you go. The surprising part that dads can have fun. Something another military dads don't accept that fatherhood can be fun. It doesn't always have to be business. And you know, what's funny. We took a trip two years ago to Fort Myers, Florida, and the kids, like the part they remember the most is the plane ride. So they want to get back in a plane. They have this idea of the world that there's only two places that exist, Wisconsin and Florida. 
Um, like that's the only place they want to go to. Like, hey, when can we go back to Florida? I'm like, there's so many more places we can go to. And they also remember the pool that the condo had. We were right on the ocean. We could play in the ocean every day. Like I went all out and got an Airbnb right in the ocean. And they wanted nothing to do with the ocean. We played in every day, but only for like half hour and they would be done with it. And all they wanted to do was play in the pool. And to them, that's still a memory that they desire to go back to. And I'm really proud that I, I took that moment. And uh, you, you might find this the irony and maybe sometime this will happen in your future. My wife went to China two years ago for 10 days for school as a teacher. And it was the scariest time because right when school got out and I was like, yeah, sure. I don't want to be unsupportive. Go to China. I'll figure it out. I was like, okay, I've never done this. I've never been more than 24 hours on my own with the kids. Like I'm not trained for war here. (laughs) And so my insurance policy was I took in vacation. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to churn off work. So I don't have to deal with that. And that 10 days of me just being a stay at home dad with them, that created a anchor memory for me to move forward into this year where I lost my job and own more being a stay at home dad. Like I had a hangover for like two months after that time of, I just wanted to be dad again. When I sat there at work processing emails, like, God, I just want to be dad. And that was a hard feeling, but that feeling created the momentum where I am today. Like I wouldn't have fought as hard to stay home as I have. I would have been running back to work as soon as I lost my job right away. Had I not, starved a massive amount of fear for 10 days and figured out how to (laughs) figure out how to raise three kids. Love it, man. Always learning. (laughs) So sometime in your future, there's probably one where you ship your wife off to a trip with some girls and you stay home with three kids and figure out what it's like to be dad and then tap into really more even who you are on the inside. Soon. There's actually a friend of ours is getting married and they're going to go to Cancun for a few days. And so I'm like, just go. I got this. I've got this. I'm Easier nervous. said than done. And if you need any advice, I'll, I'll give you my number after you can send it to the dad hotline. Will do. <laughs> ben, I need advice. I need help. Yes, I'm sure I'll be calling. Well, thank you, Brent, for coming today. I really enjoyed this conversation. This is one of those conversations where I know we could talk for hours, so it's always sad when they have to end. But I'm positive that this is a friendship just beginning. And wherever it goes, I'm positive that we created something really good here. And we brought a lot of dads home. We talked about a lot of different things today. I love it. Thanks so much for having me on Military Veteran Dad or Military Veteran Dad. (laughs) Tongue twisted. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Brent Bowers. My big takeaway of this episode is I'd like to spotlight how prior to Brent coming into my life, I really knew nothing about land real estate. Now, I probably knew a little about regular real estate and multi-home investment, and I've heard a lot of things, never taken any action on it. But I want to highlight how one conversation, this particular conversation with Brent Bowers, if you've never heard of it either, now you have. And why is that important? I want to highlight that because one conversation can literally change your life. And I think this conversation is a good example of how you may not even fathom a other world existing. Because in our head, in the emotions and actions and everything that's built up to this moment in our life, we feel often our life is built in concrete, that this is the only way my life can happen. And Brent's conversation highlights the power of podcasting, that through conversations and podcasting and interviews, you get to download perspectives that you would no other way have great access to at an easily method. And every conversation can widen what you see as possible in your life. And I want you to take that as a call to action. If you have not 
taken more action to talk to more strangers, to find different ways that people see the world and understand and live their life and find happiness, you're living a life that isn't as big as it could be. And I want to challenge you to go out there, find as many strangers as you can talk to. Now, if you're a veteran, and you probably are because this is the Military Veteran Dad podcast, I want to challenge you to go to freedadcourse.com. There is five lessons, five audio lessons on how to have more friends. It is a course that the feedback has always been. I've just listened to this episode three or four times because they were that good and only 10 minutes in, in length. So you can really make a big punch in one simple commute to work or a simple walk outside maybe. This moment where you recognize that a whole new world exists, that's when you can really start shaping a whole new legacy of your family, your purpose, what you really want to do in life, and answer the hard question, what do I want to do when I grow up? It's always a fun question to ask because most people, even if they're 50, sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, the best way to shortcut that process is to bring conversations just like Brent's into your life and have people show you a whole new way that people make money, they provide for their family, they have time, location, and money freedom. And all of that isn't what we see every day in our life or on Facebook. But guys, those worlds exist. And Brent, I'm so glad that he came into my life because now he's also brought this new idea into my life. And now I can't stop stop from thinking about vacant land, real estate, and investing. And maybe it'll be something in my future. And I never would have thought of that. And in many ways, I stayed away from real estate because I do not want to deal with reno. I don't want to deal with multi-home apartments. It just seemed too big of a hurdle to climb. But as he points out within his programs, land is empty. It's a very plain thing. And it's more of a transaction and finding the right stuff and knowing the right people in the process to really utilize as an effective tool. I never would have thought like that. And now I'll think like that forever because... Brent Bowers came into my life. So with that, take that challenge to heart. Find more strangers. Check out freedadcourse.com. The other course is there. It's yours free. No, no questions asked. That course will help you give the courage to have more conversations because on the other side of hello could be that one conversation that you need to change your life. Men, I want you to go out there in the world. Be great dads this week. Know you are loved, you are appreciated, your family needs you and counts on you to come home as the father that they need in their life every single day, and the opportunity is there. And if yesterday was a really shitty day, I want you to remember that failure is an event, not a person, and yesterday did really end yesterday, and today is a brand new day. That quote comes from Zig Ziglar, a earlier mentor in my life. Guys, have an amazing week, and I will talk to you guys again, as always, on Friday for Fatherhood Friday. <laughs>